We continue today with our Great Expectations series. The expectations that we have of God and the expectations that God has of us. And we've talked about a couple of things already. We've talked about hearing, seeing. And the question I may have for you today is, we talk about wanting God to hear us, but do we often take time to hear others? Or we'd like to know that God watches over us, but do we always take the time to watch over others? And today we'll talk about healing and the fact that all of us have an expectation that we might indeed be healed. But do we take the time to spread the message of the gospel that the healing is found in Jesus Christ? Questions for you to ask. Questions for you to answer. I want to go today to the tax collector's gospel, the gospel of Matthew. And we're going to go to the ninth chapter. We're going to go to the 18th verse, Matthew 9, 18. And this is what the tax collector writes, giving pause for all of us to think about the healing of Jesus Christ. While he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for twelve years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, If I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned, and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, Go away! The girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went through all that district. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, as I seek to preach your word, as your people struggle to know who you are, we ask that you allow our minds to be illuminated with the understanding of your Holy Spirit. May my words be your words. May my thoughts be your thoughts. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Back in January 1998, my mother went in for exploratory surgery for pancreatic cancer. My expectation was that the miracles of modern medicine and the technology that we had 
might be able to cure her. And if not cure her, then at least give her several more years of quality living. For none of us appreciate that which we have until we are on the cusp of losing it. The surgery was short in nature. They opened my mom up and found that the cancer had spread significantly. Perhaps even the operation itself, exposing it to the air, had made it even more aggressive in nature. The spread of this omnipresent disease in our lives. And I visited mom in the recovery room and I loved her and I said I I was coming back in a couple of days. I needed to go back down to Hampton, Virginia and do a few things so that I could get home and, and be back with mom and dad during her recovery period. I wouldn't make it back to see her. She would die two days later. Passed away at the age of 70. And the older I get, the more I appreciate just how young 70 is. I had expectations. I had a great expectation that God would heal my mother or at least give her a few more years. Was that asking too much? But it wasn't to be. And that wasn't because I didn't have faith in his healing abilities. It's just that God had another plan. When I think of my mom's passing, I am often reminded of the story of the young seminary student who was completing his CPE, that's clinical pastoral education, and all of us who go through seminary have to complete CPEs. And this young man was completing his at a local hospital. And during his rounds, he discovered that there was a young boy there that attended his church. And this young boy had leukemia, and there really wasn't much more that they could do for him. But the student This young seminary student was faithful to their relationship, and he kept visiting the young boy, and they they struck up a great friendship. They would play checkers sometimes, and sometimes they would even share a meal there on the hospital bed. And one evening toward the end of this disease, they were sitting on that bed, and the young boy who had leukemia looked at his friend, and he said, you know, I think I know why God isn't able to make me better. And the young seminary student said, why is that? And the boy said, because I think he's busy helping somebody else. You see, the boy had the expectation. But did he have the belief that God would actually do it? Or did he simply expect the healing in one way? but God intended in another. You know, some people don't get well. We know that. That's part of life. The human body develops a problem that cannot be fixed this side of heaven. But deep down inside, there's not one of us that do not expect to be healed and to have our loved ones healed. That's what we pray for. That's what we plead for. And that's what our expectation is. But do we really believe that God can do it? Do we really expect to see it? 
Do we truly have faith in the ability of Jesus Christ to heal us the way we really need to be healed? Or when something goes wrong, do we just figure that God is busy elsewhere? As Matthew's story begins today, and this is a story that is repeated both in the Gospel of Mark and the Gospel of Luke, but we take the tax collector's Gospel today, and we talk about Jesus Christ as the great physician, and he's been called. He's been called by this ruler who has come to say, my daughter, my daughter is dying, my daughter is dead, but if you just come, you touch her, she'll be fine. Jesus gets up, gets ready to go, followed by all the disciples and followed by that crowd. That crowd that was probably, some of them were expecting success, some of them were expecting failure, some of them were just caught up in the commotion. Let's go where the crowd goes. But before he could go there, there was one in the crowd that needed him. There was a woman in the crowd who was there for quite a different reason For she had suffered for 12 years from some bleeding hemorrhage. Some of the modern scholars will tell us they theorized it was a bleeding cancer. In which case, some 2,000 years ago, there was absolutely nothing that could be done. If you go to the Gospel of Mark, you will find out that she's already visited a whole slew of doctors. She's already spent all sorts of money, and they've been unable to heal her. How could she get the attention of Jesus? Her problem was of a personal nature, and she certainly didn't want to make a public display. According to Levitic law, a woman who was bleeding was considered unclean, and under the law, you could not touch her. Hear me, you could not touch her. She didn't want to go through the disciples to see Jesus. She didn't want to go through the physician's assistant to see Jesus. She wanted the doctor. She needed the doctor. So she devised a plan, having heard the story of Jesus' power. She says, if I just touch him, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. And we smile and we say, how innocent and how naive is that? But that was her expectation, and that was most certainly was her belief. If I but touch, I'll be healed. Do we have that same belief? Do we believe that way as well? She reached out from the crowd. She touched his garment, and immediately he stopped. He bolted upright. And in the other Gospels, you'll hear, says, who touched me? And the disciples will say, you've got to be kidding us. Who touched you? Have you looked around you? Everybody is touching you. But Jesus turned, and she saw the woman. He saw the woman. If any of you ever doubt that God doesn't know you personally, Take heart from this story that God knows your voice. God knows every hair on your head. God knows your touch. God knows you intimately and individually just as Christ knew. Somebody's touched me. You, daughter. And incidentally, this is the only time he uses the word daughter in the entire New Testament. You, daughter. And what? Your faith has made you well. You believed, and your faith has made you well. You believed if you just touched, you'd be well. 
your faith. Christ touched her as a single woman in the crowd. She had been led to believe that that's all she had to do. That was her expectation. Just touch him and you will be made whole. Do we believe that? Do we believe it? Now, obviously, if we were really going to tear this apart, we would say that the woman came to Jesus for all the wrong reasons. She didn't come to Jesus seeking to hear his message. She didn't come to Jesus seeking a personal relationship with the Lord. She didn't come to Jesus seeking a face-to-face meeting and asking forgiveness for her sins. She came for his healing power alone to cure her wretched physical condition. That was her expectation. In many ways, aren't we just like this woman? Or at least like this woman sometimes? We exhaust all the worldly possibilities before we turn to God. The woman is just one example of many individuals who try to find their healing and their happiness in so many other things than God. Isn't that true of us? Don't we sometimes put more faith in doctors and medicine and technology than we do in God? Now, I'm not downplaying doctors and technology and medicine. Who do you think gave us all that? Did we just flip over the rock and find it? No. God gave us that ability. God gave us that talent, and we need to use that. But who's the beginning? Who's the one that started the whole thing in motion? Who's the one that we can always have faith in? God. Sometimes we trust physicians more than we trust God. And sometimes doctors simply can't work miracles. It's not unusual for us to get angry at God when we've tried everything else and we're down to the last straw. I've done that more than once. I did that with my mother. I've done that with my friend Jonathan Davenport. I've shaken my fist at God and said, why? You're the great physician, why? I think I've preached sermons on not asking why. But I'm just like you. I'm broken just like you. I ask the same questions you do. Sometimes it's not physical. Sometimes we're just seeking happiness in life, mental or emotional or spiritual happiness, and we're looking every place we possibly can. We're looking for fulfillment in a higher paying job or a bigger position or a bigger house or a shinier car or the right degree in college or the best resume or a good job or a good spouse. And somehow God falls to the very bottom of the list. Maybe any number of things, but sometimes we seek everything else before we'll seek God for the healing that we really need in our lives. We're afraid to make a commitment because Christ asks so much of us. Are we willing to give that? Do we really have time? I got places to go, people to go, beat, places, let me see, places to go, people to meet, things to do. I'll get it. Give me a second. I get passionate about this in case you didn't tell. Just like this woman, we like to remain anonymous. We like to remain on the outside looking in. We like to call on God at the 11th hour and 59th minute. How many times have I told you there are no atheists in foxholes? There are no atheists in hospital beds either. 
especially when every alternative has been exhausted. What I'd like to tell you is let's start with God first. Let's start with the expectation that God will not only heal us, but believe that he will heal us. Some of you may have come today, I don't know, coming to this church and asking, why in the world am I here? Because mom told me I had to come, or dad told me I had to come, or grandma told me I had to come. Why am I here? Maybe you came here today just seeking a particular church because of the prestige of the church itself. Maybe you came here today seeking answers for complex questions. Maybe you came because this is a holy place and you'd like to be in relationship with your friends here because they come to this holy place too. The woman in the story came to Jesus because she was, he was, she was seeking some type of magical power, magical touch to be healed. Have you ever thought that Jesus dealt with this woman wrong? You ever thought, turn around and say, what are you doing, woman? Why are you here? Don't touch me. Don't touch me. You're here for all the wrong reasons. Why are you here? You don't have a good reason for coming to see me. Don't touch me. But that's not the Jesus we worship. That's not the Jesus we know. That's not Jesus. Because Jesus is the personification of God's love. And no one, no one is rejected before him. Jesus doesn't set a bunch of conditions for us to come to him. Jesus doesn't say we have to have a whole slew of things we have to get done. Jesus doesn't say there's a whole bunch of eligibility requirements before you seek me out. The only thing he asks is you seek me out. You believe in me. Whether it's to speak, to see, to touch, you believe in me. And I'll make you well. I'll make you well. God works in strange and mysterious ways if you'll just simply let him. If you'll open yourself up to God and what he can really do in your life, how much healing he could really do in your life, whether that be physical or mental or emotional or spiritual, we only need to seek him out. We need to believe that he can heal us. Now, some of you are out there saying, well, I believe Jesus can heal me. But really deep down inside, you wanted to heal him. You want him to heal your way, not his way. You want him to heal and make you the way you want yourself, not exactly the way he wants you. And that's not what this is about. That's not what the healing touch of Jesus Christ is all about. If we admit to ourselves that we are not complete, that we are not self-sufficient, that we simply cannot do it all, then sooner or later we got to look to somebody who can. Somebody who is broader and bigger and larger than any of us. He can do anything that we can possibly imagine and a lot of things we can't possibly imagine. Listen to me. If we seek God, even in the smallest of ways then God begins to heal us. If we seek God even in the smallest of ways, then God begins to heal us.
So often we put our trust in other things and other people and leave God as the last option. What I'd like to tell you today is don't be like the woman. Seek him out first. Seek him out for a look, a word, or a touch, but seek him out first and foremost. You know, whenever we go through a surgical procedure and we're made better, we need to give thanks to God because a little bit of his kingdom is breaking through. Whenever we're healed of a disease, we need to give thanks to God because a little of His kingdom is breaking through. Whenever for some reason we are saved from the jaws of death, we need to give thanks to God because a little of His kingdom is breaking through. I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to do it right now. Alan, I love you, brother. You know this. But there are days, there are days when you got to believe God saved you for a reason and you can see a little bit of his kingdom breaking through. To be healed is to believe and our faith makes us well. You know, the time for Christ never really runs out. This story is sandwiched in between another story. The little girl who dies... Jesus stops, he touches the woman, or the woman touches him and she's healed, and then he goes on and by the time he gets there, the girl is dead. But for our Lord and Savior, his time never runs out. He goes in there and touches the girl, and she rises up, and she's alive. Thank God we worship that type of Savior who each and every day of our lives is trying to take each of us by the hand, raising us from the dead and making us whole, well, and healed. That's our expectation. The only question is, do we truly believe it? Some 20 years ago, 20 years ago, I had the expectation that God would heal my mother. I prayed and I pleaded that God would heal my mother or at least just give me a couple more years. And you know, in the end, he did. Would you bow your heads with me, please?